that's the funny thing, isn't it? You know, we talk about feeders and we make jokes about feeders, but you know, he, he certainly wasn't in any way supportive of me. Welcome to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. Join your host, Mark Slight, as he gets the best information, inspiration, help, and advice from the world's best athletes, performance coaches, and health experts so that you can look, move, and feel your best at 40 and beyond. Remember, it's never too late to live the life of your dreams. Now here's your host, Mark Slight. Hello and welcome back to episode number six of the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast with today's guest, Zoe Thompson. Now, if you think back to episode number four, when I interviewed Marie Olsen, I let you into a little bit of a secret at the start of the show. And that was how I bumped Marie up the list a little bit because of the amazing content, the amazing value that she gave to the podcast. Today, I'm going to let you into another little secret. And that is that all the guests I've interviewed and all the guests I'm going to interview, I've generally connected to in some way in the past in the health and fitness world. But on the odd occasion, I get people onto the podcast who I, I believe can provide value to the community. And I've only connected with them purely for the podcast. Now, in this case, Zoe was one of these people that we, we connected purely for Zoe to come on the podcast. And in that instance, I, I generally interview people first. We have, we have a little bit of a phone call a few weeks before and I just make sure that they're, they're going to provide enough value for all you listeners to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. Now, the night I'd arranged to speak to Zoe, I was actually, I was around my parents' house and I nipped out into the conservatory with my phone and my notepad. And I had this big list of questions I wanted to ask Zoe. We'd never really spoken before and I didn't know a great deal about her backstory. So I've got this big list of questions and I've allowed myself 30 minutes to go through them with Zoe. Anyway... I got to question one, about 35, 40 minutes later, we're still on question one. I, I come away from the phone, I, I throw the paper away because I knew from that point I didn't need to know anything else. The very first question and Zoe's answer was so powerful that I, I knew she had to come on the podcast because you might get to know Zoe as the Phoenix life coach that she is, but there's a, there's a huge backstory there that is going to resonate with so many listeners. And we're going to come into the start of this story now with Zoe, where she's telling you about how she used to be a smoker, how she used to be six stone overweight. She never used to really think about exercise. And be honest about it, she was a little bit lost where she was. But she started to make some small changes, started by quitting smoking, started to then tackle her weight. Um, And she'll admit herself, probably not in the best way, but with Zoe's really strong mindset, she she pushed through it, she got through it, she lost the weight, and then the story really begins, how she transitioned from just just losing weight to then moving on to becoming a English, a British, a European strongwoman competitor. And it's such an amazing story, how you can go from one extreme to the other. I just know you're going to get a ton of information out of this. So before we get into it, if you get a few minutes, guys, please nip over to iTunes or Stitcher, Please review the podcast if you like it. Please subscribe. It really does help the future of the podcast. And stick around after the interview with Zoe, after part one, because I'm going to come back. And normally I would I would give you a question from my community or one of you listeners that have posted a question to the group. In this instance, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story about what happened to me at the weekend. It's all about energy and how inspiring it can be for you. So really stick around for that. It's going to be a couple of minutes after we've interviewed Zoe. Let's get straight into it. 
you're going to get a ton of information from this sit back grab a drink really take this in guys because you're going to get so much information from it with today's guest zoe thompson let's start then with going all the way back to the beginning um a couple of years ago or a few years ago when you was you was a little bit overweight wasn't you um yeah six six stone so so how first of all how did that come about how did you get yourself in that position where you were six stone overweight uh i probably wasn't aware of it at the time but i think looking back i was really active as a kid um certainly all the way through primary and secondary school but in particular secondary school really really active on all of the school sports teams um both me and my sister hockey netball um athletics like all year round we we were involved in all of the sports activities so i think as as um as kids because we were really active we could get away with eating a lot more um and i think for me when i first got married and um then had my son, my activity levels were getting less and less and less. And I just didn't, I just didn't adapt what I was eating to, um, to match my reduction in activity. And so the weight came on uh, really quickly. Um, but I think at that stage, I think there was just so many other things going on. The weight was an issue, but it wasn't the biggest issue that I had at the time. So it kind of got put on the back burner. Um, and just kind of ignored for quite a long, quite a long time, to be honest. And then it, it just creeps, doesn't it? You once you get to that certain size, I think for a lot of people, you get to a certain size, and then after that, every every couple of pounds, every half a stone, a stone, it stops making such a significant difference. So it just it just crept, and then just kept kept climbing and climbing. And before I knew it, I was like a size twenty two, twenty four. And uh, not not in a good place at all. Yeah, I always ask everyone that who's put on a, a significant amount of weight, is there a, and particularly people who then go to lose it, because there must be a certain point where you kind of say enough is enough. But then yeah. I'm interested in, like you said, you get to a certain point, you put on a few pounds, it's a bit of an issue, but then, but then you kind of forget about it and four pounds, six pounds, eight pounds, it's not a great deal of difference there. Yeah. But as your sizes are going up, you're obviously aware that, that you're unhappy that the size is going up you're putting on bigger dresses bigger trousers but but not enough at that point to trigger any kind of change no i think for for a long time i think my my situation at that time i wasn't i wasn't in a good place at all um and i think the other issues that were going on um the relationship the I don't know whether it was postnatal depression, but certainly I was not mentally in, in a great place. So I think you just have so many other things going on that although you don't feel great, you're not, you know that you need to do something. It's just finding that, finding that energy, that mental energy that you need to have that focus to, to, to do something about it. Just, it just wasn't there. I'm like for a long time, probably four or five years, I was, literally just going through every day getting up in the morning sorting the little one out getting through each day going back to bed and then just repeat 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 and I did that for a very long time so yeah I knew it was an issue but I think actually having any energy or any kind of willpower or just focus or support to do anything about it just wasn't it just wasn't on the radar so 
um, yeah, I struggled with lots of things, but I think, you know, you end up wearing bigger, baggier clothes so that those two pounds, four pounds, eight pounds, they don't make such a big difference because you're already in baggy clothes. So baggy clothes mm -hmm. don't feel tighter for quite a long time. So yeah, it, it was a long time before I was in any position to do anything about it. Did, did you ever go to elasticated waistbands for that reason? Oh uh, yeah, I, didn't, <laughs> I think I wore. I think I wore my husband's clothes really early on. Um, he was a big guy anyway, so I think when you're already in, you you start wearing clothes that are already bigger, and then they've got the elasticated <laughs> waistband. There's a lot of room for manoeuvre there. So, but I think also there's a little bit of that body dysmorphia in. Um, I wasn't seeing how big I was actually getting. I think I could see that I was big, but I wasn't really aware of how big I'd got. And then interestingly, on the flip side of that, when I lost the weight, I wasn't really seeing the size that I was shrinking down to either. So I think it's a bit of a weird one in how we see ourselves um, in both the positive and the negative, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, something that most people don't normally, don't normally talk about, not aware of. Did um, when when you was growing in size? Did your husband at the time never mention it? I know it's a really hard thing for a man to say to a woman, but uh, but did he ever bring it up? No, um, I, it wasn't it wasn't a great relationship, and I think part of it is that it it was to his advantage that I was was bigger and that's the funny thing isn't it you know we talk about feeders and we make jokes about feeders but you know he, he certainly wasn't in any way supportive of me trying to lose weight if I had got to that stage um yeah well it's an interesting one isn't it of, of how some you know and I, and I notice that quite a lot now is that sometimes the people who you are surrounded with whether that's by choice or, or, or not, but certainly the people who surround yourself can either really support that or they can be part of part of the problem. And I think that relationship in itself was a big a big part of that problem in that, you know, he would bring home the takeaways and I so, you know, I wasn't doing a lot and then I was eating eating a lot of food and very high calorie food too. So yeah, I guess get part of the problem to a point. So was it was it the end of the relationship that, that triggered your change or did something just flip in your head like prior to prior to that? No, I um it was quite a few years after to be honest. I am um, uh, yeah, I, I so to probably yeah, a couple of, it was a couple of years afterwards. Just because I just mentally did not have the energy to do anything about it. The trigger point for me was the smoke was giving up smoking. Um I always had um dates of right okay well when this happens then I'll do this when this happens then I'll do this so for a long time right you know so I was overweight and smoking which is which is really not great so I think you know I kind of had a date of right when when this certain things happened then I would give up smoking so I gave up smoking um through hypnotherapy and then once I was happy that that was under control I thought right okay now I've got that energy to be able to do something about my physical my physical health so the smoking was probably the trigger um but it did take a couple of years um having come out of that relationship to have that mental energy to be able to to really focus on on the physical side of things and what what did you do at this point to focus on the physical side what did you choose to do to to get the weight off i chose the quick fix <laughs> yeah i know um, you're laughing because we spoke about this before but yeah, yeah tell us. you can name it as well it's fine Tell us what because, you because looking back on it now, it just seems so 
crazy that 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 seems like such a, a sensible option um so a, a friend of actually two friends of mine um had started cambridge diet they were the weight was literally falling off them um and i think sometimes you see that opportunity don't you you see the opportunity of getting results that you want um so I went to see the doctor, got signed off by the doctor as being, you know, it was it was something that I should I should do. Um, and so I started that around the April, um, April 2009. So actually it was around my around my 30th birthday, so I'm giving my age away now. So it was around my 30th birthday. And I guess that was another trigger of being that size and being that unhappy at 30. And I just thought I really don't want to be don't want to be in this position at 40. Um, so signed up for Cambridge and literally for the next six months had three milkshakes a day. Um, I think they make you take a break around 12 weeks where you're allowed a, a little bit of food. I, I remember tins of tuna and boiled eggs featuring quite heavily, um, but literally just had um, liquid, a liquid diet for about six months and the, and the weight did fall off. Um, but it, yeah, it, the knock-on effect of all of that has been crazy and is still, you know, I'm, I'm still dealing with some of those things now. Yeah. I mean, personally, I've, I, it's obviously not a good way to lose the weight. It works for a lot of people. It's not something I'd ever recommend drinking my calories all day, every day. I, I, there's no way I could stick to that for six months, not even six days. I don't think I, I need to eat. And, and you was eating about, did we say about 600 calories a day, 650 calories a day? Yeah, it works out. Um, so it was three, three milkshakes. Um, I got very inventive with different ways of um, drinking the milkshakes of hot chocolate and with food um, flavorings to try and change the flavor up a little bit. Um, but they, they weren't great. So three milkshakes a day was something like 600, 630 calories, something like that. It was yeah. in super, stupidly low and I was running as well. So yeah, not, not healthy in any, in any shape or form at all. So you just mentioned running. Now this brings me to the, yeah. to the next point. I find particularly with ladies that this, this is a go-to way to lose weight. Yeah. Cut your calories jump on a treadmill, go running, do cardio. It must be cardio, cardio, cardio all the time. Was, was you yeah. any different? No. Um, and I, I think the other, the other thing that worked for me with the running was that my son was six at that point. So for me, he could ride his bike and I could run. So I couldn't, um, being a single parent now at this point, I couldn't join the gym and go to, to the gym. So him riding his bike and me running was a, a was a good way for me to be able to bring some activity in obviously I think you know we're quite a few years on now and I think things have changed a little bit and I think there's probably more opportunities for people but certainly for me at that point him riding his bike was was ideal um but yeah you see you know runners are skinny people right and so you think well it's all about cardio you need to burn calories so my thinking about food that at that point was very much around food equals calories and if you eat the calories you must burn the calories and some more um for you to be able to lose that weight so yeah i'm not initially it was running then i did some swimming for a little while um and then as the food started to increase 
then the calorie the cardio classes at the gym because I was then able because a couple of months on was then able to start going to some gym classes yeah just and so I was just doing ridiculous amounts of gym classes to try and balance out the fact that I'd started to eat food crazy really crazy yeah you must you must have felt terrible you must have been tired all the time surely um I don't remember being tired any more than I was before I started because of course when you're big you don't have those energy levels either so I think it just kind of I think whereas now if I've if I'd done it in a healthy way I think I would have noticed that increase in energy levels but I think because I didn't have any energy levels um, I probably didn't notice the difference quite so much yeah. I was also working shifts and was a single parent so I think you you put lots of things down to um, lifestyle fatigue don't you rather than the fact that Actually, if you look at it, you're not eating enough to to run your body, let alone run a life as well. So, yeah, it, it, it makes no sense at all. No, I mean, if you're eating 600 calories a day and then you're, you know, you're going out running, you're, you're probably on about zero or even minus. Because you, know, yeah. you, you told me before that you, you would then transition to spin classes. Um, yeah. But in your head one spin class wasn't enough and you'd do back-to-back spin classes and as a person who's done spin classes the last thing I want to do when I finish a spin class is turn around and go back in and do another spin class (laughs) yeah yeah I did and I you know I wouldn't just do one class I would do a circuits class followed by something else or if there was only one class there wasn't another class that I could do I would you know I would go up to the gym and do um, uh, you sit on the exercise bike or get on the treadmill. Um, it just, it became, obs- it kind of, you know, it really did become almost obsessive in that as I had to start increasing my food intake, I became more almost obsessive about how many calories I was burning in the gym to make sure that the number was always in a deficit. Um, and if the number wasn't in a deficit, then I would, you know, I would start worrying about, well, I've eaten too much and I'm, I'm going to gain the weight. And I think part of that was that people who I had started to do the Cambridge diet with um, back in the April had all fallen off the wagon and had all regained all of their weight and extra. So I think that that was kind of combining with the fear of almost starting to eat again as well. Um, and at that point, I could see that that relationship with food was starting to become a concern to me, um, let, alone, let alone a concern to other people as well. So I went back to the hypnotherapist who I'd seen for smoking and had a couple of sessions around the way that I was approaching food and my mindset towards food because I think you, you start to worry yourself, don't you? I think people start worrying first and then you know when you start to worry yourself that it's time to do something about it but yeah the cardio classes were crazy double spin circuits the, the whole lot <laughs> yes uh, it doesn't sound that enjoyable enjoyable to me back-to-back spin classes so when there, there was a little change wasn't there when you when you when a personal trainer spoke to you in the gym and he yeah he just sowed a little seed there i think which changed your life over the next few years didn't it yeah, it was, it was a real turning point. Um, I, so he was the spin instructor um, and we were sat on the bike, on the bikes in between the two classes. And, um, and he was kind of asking me what my goals were and what, you know, what was I looking to achieve? And, and, um, and I said to him that I'd lost the weight that I wanted to lose, but I'd kind of plateaued a little bit. 
but also was just trying to work out how I could bring my eating amount, the volume up to a, a normal level without regaining the weight. Um, and he said, oh, is that why you're doing crazy numbers of classes? And I said, well, yeah, because I, I, I don't want to be that person that re regains the weight again because I know how hard it was to lose it. And he said, you need to cut this cardio. And he said, you need to get upstairs and start lifting some weights. And I hadn't really thought about that before. Um, and um, so, yeah, I, I kind of cut, cut it down to one spin class and then went upstairs and did the weights. And then really over that probably you know, two, three months, the cardio classes came down and the weights uh, training sessions came up. He gave me a plan to work to. And yeah, it just completely flipped the, the focus over because instead of looking at how many calories I was burning because you can't count that quite as scientifically as you can when you're sitting on an exercise bike and you're watching the, the number go up um, suddenly I was focusing more on being able to lift more or being able to do more reps with the weights and yeah that it completely changed everything of course you can't not eat and um, lift weights so it meant that I had to start fueling my body for those workouts which then completely changed my approach to food as well so yeah it all came all came at the right time um, because it was kind of that two three months of being able to change eating more with a healthier approach to how I was eating and also changing up my training so that I wasn't in the gym for hours at a time. There we go how amazing was that is it any wonder I threw the rest of the questions away when I first spoke to Zoe? Amazing story. We're going to tap into it even more in part two in a couple of days. So make sure you come back for that. Make sure you subscribe and review and download the episode so you don't miss out on any of this content. Now, as I said, normally at the end of part one, I'd give you a question from, from my community, from the group, or from any of you listeners that have posted on my Facebook page or on the podcast page. But today is a little bit different because a few days ago, I run in a 5k race at the weekend in, in my hometown of Milton Keynes. Now, for people who know me well, you know I'm not a runner. I don't really enjoy running that much, but I'd signed up for it. I was going to do it. I was going to race. And I, st and I was never really looking forward to the race, if I'm brutally honest. Or the weeks leading up to it, I just I tried to dismiss it from my mind a little bit. I didn't really want to think about it. It wasn't a, an event I was really keen to do. And I stood on the start line, and I still wasn't that fussed, even when I was on the start line. There's lots of people around me, um, and I was still trying not to think about it. I didn't want to think about the race, because I still didn't want to do it at this point. Um, and then and then we started to move. Then we crossed the start line, and something really strange happened. And that is that I, I started to run with a smile on my face, something I've, I've never done before. And for the first two, two and a half Ks of this 5K race, I just run with this big smile on my face. And... And then I started to wonder why, and I started to look around, and, and the energy that was around me, everyone, regardless of their fitness level, regardless of the time they was going to post, they was just in this, this energetic, happy state. They, they was doing something fit and active, and they was doing something positive. And that was just, that was flooding into my body. And it was making me happy, it was pushing me on, and I was just running with that smile on my face, and that fuzzy head where I was just... I was so happy and I was happy doing something that I don't like doing because of the abundance of energy and love and passion that was around me. So one thing we've talked about a lot, and particularly in the two episodes previously with Marie Olson, we talked a lot about support groups and the positivity and, and getting that community around you that can, can raise you up. And this just 
epitomized every single word that me and Marie talked about. Getting these people around you, feeding off the love and the energy and the vibrancy of everyone around you, it makes such a difference, guys. So if you haven't already got that positive support group around you, please, I'm begging you, go and find it because it's out there and it's easy now with, what, 7 billion people on the planet and most of them are connected to the internet. It's easy to find someone similar to you or someone you could aspire to or reach up to. They're out there. Go and find them. You only need to find five or 10 people close to you who could inspire you every single day. And it makes such a difference, guys. It really does. Please go away and find these people. Bring them into your life. So in a couple of days, we're going to come back. We're going to get into part two with Zoe, which is going to be full of even more great information, even more inspiring stories. And something that I know as a listener over 40, you could really resonate with and something that you could really connect with and get some real value from it. Because as Zoe was saying in that episode, she couldn't sustain the, the ridiculous calorie intake she was on. It's only because she was, she was such a strong mindset that she was able to push through them six months. And as she said, a lot of people couldn't get through that six months because it's a ridiculous way to diet. But she knew that, she got to where she wanted to be, but she knew she had to change, and she knew she couldn't carry on forever with that restrictive calorie diet. So, so come back in a couple of days, guys, download the episodes, and take care, be happy, have a great week, and I'll speak to you again in a couple of days.